0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and community safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning and welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod. Glad to be back with you on this December 5th, Monday. Uh, So excited to be here. We had some great shows last week. If you missed them, I hope that you got a chance to tune in because we had done a lot of pre-taped interviews before, but some really great stuff last week. So I hope you guys tuned into that. We're back live today. I'm going to be live the whole day today. Would really love some audience interaction today. Looking forward to talking with all of you. It's a parent to parent day. And I I love all the days that we have here, but I do love parent to parent because it gives me a little bit more latitude to talk to you guys as long as we need to, right? About as much as you want to. So, first of all, hi, I'm Shannon Penrod. I'm going to be your host for this hour. I identify as a pony, a proud pony. I'm a parent of a neurodiverse individual. And, uh, very excited to be able to say that at this point in my life, there was a time and a place when I shook in my shoes, when my son was being, before he was being diagnosed as he was losing language. And then as he was being diagnosed, it was not a happy, joyous time for me. I'm just keeping it real and keeping honest because I was afraid. I was afraid of how were we going to, what was going to happen? How are we going to get from point A to point B? So if you're feeling that way today, I'm glad that you found us here. Come on, let's take hands and si se puede, right? We can do this together. We're going to hold hands through a lot of stuff today and see if we can't get you to a place where you can see, oh, there's a path right? And there's a path for everyone. And the path isn't going to look the same for everybody, but I want you to know that I'm somebody who has walked a path and we have many other people who have walked the path that have been on the show. Check out our library. Hey, Traven is showing you all the different ways that you can connect with us here. Our show, we're live right now on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and about a dozen other sites. But the show will podcast later on, and it will be a free download wherever you get podcasts for free. Because that's a super important thing to us. We're holding on tight to that. (laughs) As desperately as tight as we possibly can. Because that has been our mission. We are now in our 12th year of programming. I know. It's crazy for me that it's been 12 years. But a really oh i 'm so grateful for this time that we have spent together so i 'm reminding you if you 've already found us here and holly i 'm very thankful for your encouragement so thrilled that you 're here but if you if you 're new here uh, please subscribe like share if you're you've been around i don't want, I don't want to say if you 're old here but if you 've been around the block with us a time or two, please ask yourself, have you shared this resource with somebody else that you think that can use it? Because you know, how often have you seen a commercial for Autism Live someplace? Probably never, because we run like two of them for seven seconds on Facebook. Uh, Because we just don't spend our money that way. You know, I'm sure that if we spent money on that, we would have a bigger audience. But then I would probably have to do something like, you know charge you guys, which I'm trying desperately not to do, even though that's what everybody always advises us to do. But I hope that you'll share it and that people will be able to find these resources. Liliana, how's Riverside this morning? Is it sunny there? We had quite a bit of rain here in Los Angeles over the last few days, which I quite love. I love it when we get some gloomy, uh, doomy weather. Uh, I like weather. So, uh, but then it's nice when the sun comes back out too. I don't, I don't know if I could live someplace where it rained constantly. I lived someplace where it snowed from Halloween until Mother's Day. Hmm. Uh, every day, Halloween to Mother's Day, snow every day. I've done that. I don't need to do that again in my life. <laughs> I did that for many, many, many years. Um, uh, oh, some sun and cold, Liliana. Yeah. And I don't mind the cold either. As long as we're dressed, warm enough. You know what I mean? Uh, I would almost rather it be cold than hot, but that's because it's LA cold, right? If I were talking about 40 below, I might feel, I might sing a different tune, but I don't do that anymore. I live in California for a reason because I lived in upstate New York. Laurie, good morning to you, beautiful. So glad that you're here with us, too. And we are live this morning, and we're going to be talking about speech delay. So uh, I have a couple of things that I want to talk to you guys about first. We've got a big, exciting week here uh, and stuff that's happening this weekend. If you haven't heard, the Ed Asner Family Center is doing their yearly gala, which, uh, since the pandemic, has been a virtual table read of the movie It's a Wonderful Life. Now, this is a really exciting, exciting thing because I think so often, you know, here in L.A. we get to go and do things and we get to rub elbows with the celebrities and a lot of you guys say, okay, that really fills me with joy knowing that these people care enough about our community that they're donating their time but you know you'd like to rub elbows with them a little bit too well i've got a way for you to do it on sunday this sunday which is the eleventh of december the ed asner family center as i said will do their yearly table read of it's a wonderful life and brendan fraser who i i didn't know that he was an autism dad did you but he's been talking about it a lot these last couple of weeks and he's going to be playing george bailey which i think is remarkable And you know who's playing uh, Mary, uh, who I'm equally as excited about, is Christina Applegate. Now, if you don't know who Christina Applegate is, oh my gosh. She started out on on the show Married with Children, but if you haven't been watching Dead to Me, we watched the season finale last night and I almost had to be hosed down. She is so good in it. And that woman has been through some stuff. Uh, personally. And I've always been a big fan of hers and a, and a big admirer of hers. So she's playing Mary. Uh, I, it means so much to me that with everything that she's going through, that she's donating her time to raise money for our kids. What an amazing, amazing. And then it's a cast that's just so amazingly over the top. James Cromwell is in it. I loved him and Babe, one of my favorite movies of all time. And so many other people, um, so many other people that uh, we're going to have to have Matt and Nava back on the show on Wednesday to talk a little bit about it. But here's the good news: so you can go to this wonderful event, and let me tell you a little bit about what it is. So it starts, and uh, it starts at 5 p.m. Pacific time, and they will it's a very brief opening, and then they read through the first act. Then there's an intermission. I don't know if they've announced who's singing during the intermission, but you guys, like it's a Super Bowl halftime kind of thing. So you really want to be there for that. They have an auction, they read Act 2, brief intermission again with another performer, and then they read Act 3, and then at the end they have a QA and a where you get to ask questions of the celebrities. It's super duper fun, and you literally get to ask them in real time questions. Um, really, really fun. Now, It's $30 a ticket, and I know for some of you that might be more than you have in the budget this month because it's a very, you know, expensive month, right? Um, So what I love is that they've had a program going where if you wanted to buy a ticket for yourself and you wanted to buy a ticket for someone else, you could. So they called me this morning and said that they have 25 tickets that they would like to give away to families who would like to come to this event. So it's going to be the first 25 people that write to Milo, M-I-L-O, at, and it's the letters of the Ed Asner Family Center, and I always mess it up. So it's T-E-A-F-C, the Ed Asner Family Center, Milo at T-E-A-F-C.com if you're one of the first 25 people to write to Milo, we're opening that up right now, you can get a free ticket to be watching that whole thing. And it's really, uh, you know, it's some of the best celeb watching you will ever do in your life. And then you get to interact with them at the end. So anyway, uh, I'm so happy that you're here, Laurie uh, and Michelle and Liana and Holly. Uh, to hear all that. So if you guys want a free ticket, and if anybody else is watching and hasn't written in yet, please feel free to Milo at teafc.com, I think it's dot com. And um, let me know if you if you don't hear back. Okay. So I uh, also want to say that on Mondays when we do parent to parent talks, that this is me as a parent, not an expert in autism at all. Having a hot flash, in fact, right now. Uh, Not not an expert in autism, not an expert in anything. Talking with you guys, who I I assume that our audience is made up of largely parents, but I assume that there are also wonderful self-advocates, and maybe some of you are parents and self-advocates. We also have professionals that watch as well. And um, maybe family, loved ones, but of course uh as i said we hope that and i I, everybody doesn't like calling themselves self self self-advocates but if you identify as someone who is neurodiverse or on the spectrum i hope that you find your place here too and uh it's very important to me to always be an ally and to always be listening if you guys tell me something that i'm saying that makes this less accessible for you so please feel free to comment reach out, uh, whatever. We're, as I said, we're live right now, and I can see comments from YouTube and Facebook and about a dozen other sites on here if you're writing in on those sites. If you're watching later on or listening later on in podcasts, there are still ways that you can reach out directly to me, Shannon, at autism-live.com. Also want to remind you two things. There it is on the screen, Shannon, at autism-live.com. Our toy guide is live right now on our homepage, which is AutismNetwork.com. Autism Live is one of the many shows on Autism Network now, so that that is where the toy guide will live from now on, AutismNetwork.com. At the top, click, click on the toy guide, and you can be checking out the amazing toys. Good morning, Susie B. For those of you who are in Los Angeles, we mentioned that there is a virtual thing that's happening this Sunday uh at the ed asner family center which is the table read for it's a wonderful life anybody in the world can attend that because it's virtual right now the following sunday which is the 18th we're doing an in-person sensitive santa event this is autism live and the ed asner family center together Uh, we're collaborating on this as we did last year and it's going to be a really special again it's going to be a drive-through because we want to have an abundance of caution uh, I hope that by next year we can be you know wild and crazy and in person the whole time. But for now, we're doing another drive-through, but it's a little bit different setup than it was last year. And we are at this point in time, we are saying that you'll go through the drive-through. Every child that is of special needs and their siblings that are under the age of 18 will receive a wrap toy. Now we welcome adults that are special needs as well. Uh, Also, so I don't want to say it's just children, it's very hard to explain. But for the siblings, uh, there is only a gift if they are under the age of 18. But the individual with special needs can be of absolutely any age, and we will have a wrapped gift from that for them. Uh, And then they will get an opportunity to wave to Santa. And for families who choose to, assuming that you know, knock on 68 kinds of wood, that things the numbers stay where they are right now, you will have the option if you want to get out of your car to take a uh, socially distanced picture with Santa Claus so that you get the Santa picture this year. So today, the tickets will become available. This is a free event, but you must have a ticket because there is a limited number of toys and that's just all there is. So, and we can only handle a certain number number of people. I wish that that weren't the case, but that is the case. So you must register, you must have a ticket for each person who's going to receive a toy. So the parents driving the car don't have to register, but for each individual that's going to receive a toy, they have to have a separate ticket. The tickets become available this afternoon uh, at 139 or some crazy number like that on Eventbrite. And so if you go to Sensitive Santa 2022, you should be able to um, get a reminder for when the tickets are available. They are first come, first serve. So I would encourage you to register for those tickets as soon as possible, as soon as they become available, because everybody always is upset with me when we sell out. And probably, you know, by the, certainly by the end of this week, we'll be sold out. If I have the opportunity to add more spaces, I will. Um, but at this point, that, that's how many tickets there are. Okay, so we took care of all the business, all right? How is everybody this morning? Please feel free as we're talking and going through the discussion to write in your questions. I know sometimes I'm like a freight train and I'm explaining something and I don't look at the comments, but I will always get to them at the end. Sometimes I'm good and and can look at the comments at the end. You know what it is? I used to be a college professor and when I would lecture, I would say to my students, uh, we always taught them how to do Cornell notes, and and I would always say, write your questions down in the column right and then because I might answer your question in the presentation and so but at the end I want to make sure that I answer any questions that you had and so that's I'm I'm thinking with my old college professor head sometimes okay so today's topic we're talking about when your child has a language delay and I wanna start from an assumption that you are brand new And that, you know, that if if, so that this presentation will fit absolutely anybody. So if you're brand new and you're just beginning to suspect that your child has a language delay and you're not even sure that they have a language delay, and we'll go all the way up through, um, hopefully, uh, you've got a child who is no longer a child, who is an adult, and the language is not there yet. What do you do then? Because... One of the things that I like to do when we talk about things parent to parent is talk about the feelings, what it feels like as a parent when these things happen. So, if you, one of the things that's amazing to me is that I think that being a parent is one of the greatest privileges there is. Um, It's certainly been the most rewarding and fulfilling and life-affirming thing that I've done in my life, right? And, you know, we all, no matter what ends up happening, we all have these hopes that are tied to, oh, like, things that are not based in reality. (laughs) Like, I always say that my idea of parenthood, I was an aunt for many, many years before I became a parent, and I always felt that parenthood was going to... The the ideal in my head was I pictured me running through tall grass with uh, this pudgy little elf person who would be my child and that there would be yellow butterflies trailing after us. And that's how I thought parenthood was. Um, I did not really have any awareness of the fact that it was any harder. Although I will say I ended up not having Gem until I was I was 40, about to be 41. And I feel like that happened because... My sister, who was only two years older than me, had children, you know, really, really young, and so when I came home from my freshman year of college, she had had her first baby. He was three months old, and not even quite, not even quite three months old. And she had back in the day, um, if you had a gallbladder attack, it was huge. Huge surgery they they would cut you right in the middle and then they would haul your gallbladder out, and then it would be this you know terrible uh, recovery period and She had just had a baby, so it was that much harder for her so and then she got pneumonia, and she was in the hospital for like half of the summer. And i had just come home from freshman year of college and my mother handed me this baby because her husband was in the navy and he was out to sea so you know there was nobody but me standing around without a job and my mother said i know you had planned on working but now you have a baby and so i was 18 about to be 19 and for a summer had the full care of a three-month-old baby and that's why I didn't have a baby till I was 40. Because <laughs> so, I understood that there was a certain amount of responsibility and that it really kind of cut into your day. Um, so I waited until I was almost responsible enough to have a baby, which was right after 40. So, um, but, but my point is we all have this rose-colored glass thing where we think of parenthood and, and how wonderful it's going to be. And we think about the happiest of happy days. And we don't think about, should something go differently? I don't even want to say wrong, because there is no wrong, right? But if something goes differently. And, um, and I don't hear enough people talking about what it's like to parent someone when things go differently. I feel like that's the great unhad conversation. And I grew up with my mom, who was born differently, my mom was born with both of her feet facing backwards, was clubfoot, spent most of her childhood with braces on and and they would break her legs and and put them in braces to move her feet around to the front. My mother never was able to run a single day in her life. So she had challenges, and I dealt with that. I heard her point of view on that, what it was like to be a person And my mother would never have said the word disability, like, ha, put, to that, right? My mother never would have referred to herself as handicapped. But to be different, I heard, you know, we would get someplace where there would be stairs and my mother would go, you know, before this is before there were ramps everywhere, right? Um, And I heard that point of view. And then I remember when I was probably in my late 20s being at lunch with my mother and my grandmother. And my grandmother said, you don't know what it was like to parent you when you couldn't walk. And I went, well, there's a perspective that I haven't heard, right? Um, Which was a very interesting thing to me and has informed a lot of things since my child was born different, right? So... I want to talk about the emotions, and we're going to talk the, about the emotions, because I think the emotions are a big, big part of this, especially when your child has a speech delay. Uh, so we're not going to leave that out. What do I do? Okay, but on our agenda, I pushed the button, Trayvon, and I don't know why it's not doing it. Let's see if it does. it. It's not doing it there we go on our agenda today and we're going to talk about the emotions for all of this that if you're what do you do if you think that your child has uh, a language delay and remember we're starting out at the beginning right one of the important but you could be anywhere in your journey and these things would still be true so one of the first things that we need to do is we, we need to and we're going to talk about each one of these rule out medical issues We need to get a good evaluation. We we need to make a language-rich environment. We need to evaluate progress as we go, and we want to prioritize functional communication. If we do these things, we're going to be okay. Now, I want everybody to take a deep breath because I meant what I just said. If you do these things, you're going to be okay. That doesn't mean that everybody's story is going to end with everybody talking like magpies. I'm not selling you know hoo-ha here everyone doesn't talk and that is emotionally devastating but I will tell you something it's like giving away the end at the beginning right that everyone has the ability to communicate and that is the truth sometimes it takes substantially longer for other people for you know I mean two of the cases that I can think of right off the bat uh, Carly Fleischman and Emily Groden. If you are not aware of these two women and you've got uh, somebody in your life that is not communicating, I want to encourage you to check out their stories and read about what their parents have to say, and they're very public with their stories. Uh, And their parents are very public with their stories, too, because these were both young girls that, for all intents and purposes, everybody, uh, everybody except the parents had written them off and said, these women are not going to be able to communicate. And yet they both do and they communicate beautifully and wildly and uh, and the world is a better place for being able to hear what these two young women have to say. But did it take a while? Yes. Can we all learn from their journey and maybe have it not take as long for other people? Absolutely. But I, I do want you to know that if you follow these things, you will get to communication. And that may look different than what your heart had said when you gave birth to that baby. And I want to say to you that you are allowed to go through whatever grieving process you need to get through that, because that's not nothing. But if you get stuck in the why don't we have this, you will miss all kinds of amazing things. And also, I want you to know that Um, For a lot of people, for the vast majority of people, they do get to spoken language. Used to be that, I think the number was 18% of individuals who were diagnosed with autism became vocally verbal uh, with speech, 18%, which, you know, means that a lot of people didn't. And that number has more than flipped. So we are somewhere in the mid to high 80% of people who are on the spectrum who are vocally verbal now. And that's because they, we've learned a lot, and uh, science has learned a lot, and we, we've benefited from a lot of people's journeys. So pack that in your backpack and know that the vast majority of individuals will get to spoken language. What that spoken language looks like is gonna be different for everybody because it's different for all of us, yes? Um, and there will be different challenges along the way. Not trying to poo-poo that, but you will get to spoken language and to commun- spoken communication. But for a very small percentage, we maybe that's not a possibility. And we're going to talk about why that might be in just a second. But we still, in all cases, can get to functional communication. So we're going to think in terms of prioritizing functional communication. I'm given the end at the beginning, yeah? Okay. So, let's take a look now and uh at each one of these things and kind of dive into them. So, number 1 is to rule out medical reasons for the delay. Now, I'm not here to scare anybody. But a lot of pe- I know a lot of people who when they hear that their child has a delay or they start to notice that their child has a delay, they are, oh, worried, fearful, upset, and it seems like in that moment that a lot of people will say the word autism to them. If you start talking about, well, I'm, if you start going to the pediatrician and saying, I'm concerned because my child isn't speaking, there, that's going to be a flag that's going to raise the, the autism awareness in the room. And they're going to start looking at your child for autism, and for some people that feels like, oh no. That's the worst thing that could happen. Let me just tell you. It's one of the best things. If your child is experiencing a language delay, there are many, many reasons why that could be happening that aren't autism, but some of them are things that you, if, if I say them to you, you're going to go, oh yeah, no, I'll pick autism. Every step along the way. Now, Is it possible that there could be more than one thing going on? Yes. And I don't want to put you into fear mode. I want to put you into action mode. If you see that your child is not acquiring language, let's get into action, not because of fear, but because time is wasting. And every day that, you know, let's imagine that you have two plants. And one of them is is put into sunlight and it's getting all the sunlight that it needs and it's growing on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, And then you take another plant and you put it in the shade Uh, and it's not getting all the sunshine that it can. And you notice that the one in the sunshine is growing faster right and each day that the plant that is in the shade doesn't get the sunlight it's that much further behind now can it catch up yes you can move it into the sunshine you can give it nutrients it can catch up and maybe it grows to be stronger than the first plant but every day that it misses growing in the sunshine for a period of time it's going to put it further behind and our kids are like those plants and we want to put them in the sunshine and we want to give them nutrients and we want them to have every possibility right so It's important to rule out medical issues solely for the fact that you don't wanna be wasting time. If your child does warrant a diagnosis of an autism spectrum disorder, everything we know tells us that the earlier you diagnose the better because you can stop the slide of not picking up information um, because if you're on the autism spectrum, it's very possible that you are not picking up information in the way that other kids do that acquire language. It doesn't mean that you can't pick up that information, we're just gonna tweak it and make it a little bit more specific, yeah? Um, so that's super important. But also on the other side, not trying to scare you, but I know two people who discovered that the reason why their children weren't were experiencing a language delay was because well in i know two people that it was because their children had brain tumors and both of those children are alive and happy not trying to scare you but but they i can tell you both of those moms wish that they had known sooner that's not a kind of thing that you go oh i i you know i'd rather not know until later right um and i know two other moms separate moms where the children had had strokes very very rare and all of the moms that i know that i know two in each category but everyone that i know of those four moms is like ah wish somebody had said to me go and get evaluated sooner because what we did to intervene was really critical and important to this child and you know And a lot of people, the vast majority of people, go to get a, uh, you know, if it's a a language delay, will come back and not get those diagnoses. But it's important to rule out other medical issues. Now, there is one diagnosis that if your child is language delayed that I want to put on your radar because it's an important diagnosis and it's important that you get this information. But I will also warn you, that it's very unlikely the first time you bring it up that your child will get diagnosed with, and I'm talking about apraxia. But if a child has apraxia, then we're gonna see that their trajectory with gaining language is gonna take a lot more effort and a lot more patience. It's not that it can't be done, it's that it's gonna take more, right? Um, And you're gonna wanna know that so that you can pace yourself. But again, if you go to the speech pathologist and you've you you know uh, you've ruled out all the medical things and your child's brain is working fine and, and there are no tumors and your child is not having a stroke, they're not having sleep apnea, where they're not breathing at night, right? There's a whole host of things that your child should be looked at if there is a language delay. And if they say to you, oh, it's just a language delay or it's autism, right? Uh, you might find later on that you come back. If, if you're not gaining language, you might come back later on and you could get an apraxia diagnosis later on. Praxi- apraxia is a very specific thing that the, the, the language is there in their brain. Um, they want to communicate, but whatever hooks up the brain to the physical, um, it is in some way hampered. And so what you see with people with apraxia is that the words, you can feel the frustration that they have that they're trying to, and it's very hard for them to be able to access that. Now, there's a whole lot of help and hope, and we know people who have uh, gotten a diagnosis of apraxia that are fully verbal now, so I don't want to, you know, uh, make you feel like, oh, no, if we get apraxia, that's over too. No, 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 no. Um, there's a lot of help and hope uh, for all of these things, okay? But it is important to go and make sure that there's not medically go- something else going on. I don't want to make a paranoid, but uh, I'll tell you what's hard and frustrating is if if you're trying to teach your child something and then later you find out that there was a reason why they couldn't do it the way you were telling them to do it, then you feel like crap. Let's just call it what it is. You feel like crap. And, and so for your entire peace of mind, go and rule out anything medical. Uh, it also could be that your child is not hearing, that we see a lot of times that children will have a hearing deficit, and, so, and once they're given a hearing aid, all of a sudden language explodes, and it's not autism. You know what I'm saying? So rule these things out. Go have a frank conversation with the pediatrician and say, I'm concerned. Have them looked at for autism, but have them looked at for everything and be that pain in the butt. Be that parent that is saying, no, I need you to take me seriously. And if you can't get your pediatrician to take you seriously, find another pediatrician. And that's some of the best advice that I can give you. Uh, But autism is not the only reason for a speech delay but it's going to raise the first flag saying, okay, we better make sure that we evaluate this kiddo for autism. I also want to caution you with uh, a language delay that a lot of people will say to you, oh, it's fine, just wait it out. He's a boy, boys talk later, uh, or he's a, she's a girl, she's interested in other, they have all this like, BS on a list somewhere that they refer to. Don't buy into any of that. If you feel that your child is not speaking as much as they should, ask them to take you seriously. And if they won't, go to another pediatrician. Yeah? Um, I wasted time with a pediatrician who, uh, well, here's the other thing that I didn't put on the list. My son, uh, anytime uh, an individual loses skills for any reason for any reason at all. If your child is able to walk one day and then can't the next day, that's a trip to the doctor's office, if not the emergency room, right? I think we can all agree with that. If your child is speaking in sentences and then suddenly they can't, it is a trip to the doctor's office, if not the emergency room. And if, you know, be one of those people that bangs on the table until they listen to you. My son was speaking in sentences, and then he lost words gradually, and it took a long time for him to lose all of his language, but he did. And all along the way, as I was talking to his pediatrician, she was telling me, no, he's fine. He was speaking as if language can never go away. And she was supposed to be the doctor who was good at diagnosing different things. She wasn't. She missed it in my child. And my gut knew it. And my gut said, shut up because I wanted her to be right. If your gut's talking to you, go to another doctor. Don't waste time. Okay. Um, So, but then you need to get a good evaluation. And this is a hard thing because if you don't know what a good evaluation looks like, you don't know if you got one. You're going to ask for other parents. At, um, you know, find a forum and ask people. If you already know somebody who has kiddos and you feel like they're doing well, ask them where did you get your evaluation. And you know, your school will district will work with you regardless of how old your child is if you tell them that you are seeing a language delay. Um, but I don't always trust the school district. Uh, I don't always trust their people. I always say, look at who's paying for the expert and what do they have at stake, it, it, you know, because if they're making money off of your child's diagnosis, this is not a good thing, right? Okay. So uh, here I gave you a couple of signs of a good evaluation, and one is that you're given a written report that includes test methods and results. I hate these reports. Can I be honest with you? But I force myself to read through them because you will learn stuff, and sometimes what you learn is the person who wrote this report is an idiot, and that 's unfortunate. but wouldn't you rather know that um, whether you paid for the evaluation or not? But so you read through the report and it should say, you know we there, normally there's a paragraph and it says, you know this child is this age. And they came to us because of this, and then we, we gave this test, and here are, here are the general results. But then there will be graphs and charts that show you, and sometimes it's a good report and it tells you because there are, there are some numbers that you want to be high and then other numbers that you want to be low, and and it will norm it for you and tell you this is what the number should be for this person's age and this is what it is and this shows a delay, but sometimes they don't read the report. I I get out my highlighter and my little um, strips that are, they're the post-it notes that are uh, the arrows in different colors. And I post-it note and I highlight and questions and I write in the margin. And then I ask for a meeting to go over things that I don't understand. Because you've got to be that kind of a squeaky wheel, right? If you're going to pay for an evaluation, make sure that you understand what the evaluation was and what it means, right? And a good look, there are some people who are good test take, you know, they can get administer a test. And then there are other people who can write a good report. Sometimes there are people who do those things and work together. And that's a happy, happy marriage. But either way, like make sure you get the results of the test. And if you find that after doing the test, you don't get the results, you don't go back to that person and you tell everybody else, don't go to that person. Right. Uh, I would be up their tree asking them to finish the report and to write it in a way that you can understand it. But you know, sometimes you don't always have the time for that um it's also important in the report that if you feel that your child has a delay that that delay is addressed and not dismissed if you feel like somebody does a test with your child and they go oh no they don't have a speech delay you know honestly ask for your money back because that is not going to be helpful and useful to you it's likely that you're going to need these documents down the road and so I always say start a binder that where you put all the evaluations in them or what's even better is get a scanner that can scan a bunch of papers at a time scan them and keep them in a file on your computer and make sure that you back that up to the cloud every once in a while because you're going to need these papers down the road uh, I don't mean to scare you but it's going to be useful to you down the road um, and you should, at the end of this report, have some sort of a recommendation about how to move forward. And if you feel that your child has a delay, there better be something in there that says, Our recommendation is, and that might be speech therapy through the school district three times a week, or a half an hour a week. Um, or they might say, You know, this child should be identified. Um, for autism and evaluated for autism something there should be some <laughs> recommendation about your child's delay and if there isn't then you did not get your money's worth and here I put I bolded it there because if it doesn't feel right get another opinion it's important to start out with an expert's opinion because it's going to help drive services for you down the road and that's that's really the reason why Sometimes, um, I don't want to say, there's amazing experts that are out there And they can be so helpful to you and help get you on the right path right away. And then sometimes you go to an expert and they're, you know, and they're not good. And you feel like, oh, I just wasted valuable, precious time. Except you didn't, because when you go to the next expert, they're going to have something, and it's it is going to help down the road. So there's nothing that's wasted time. Um, Okay, so it is worthwhile to do an evaluation i don't want you to wait six months to get an evaluation and i know that a lot of times that's the thing if you feel that let's say that you know after watching this you go oh gosh i guess we should probably get an evaluation and so i would say to you like set a three-day time period where you're just going to fact find and ask everybody you know post something on facebook go into a facebook group go to taka see if there's a local taka chapter in your area right and ask does anybody know where to get a good evaluation for a language delay and you can say asking for a friend you don't have to say it's for your kiddo you're in a space where you're figuring that out right or if you feel comfortable say it's for my kiddo right but I'll gu- guarantee you that somebody's going to step forward and say, oh, I know so-and-so, so-and-so, and then ask questions of other people. Hey, does anybody else know this person? La, la, la. Three days. And, and at the end of three days, start calling these people and asking them, how, you know, how much are you going to charge me? Do you take insurance? And um, what can I expect at the evaluation and how long is it going to take? And be very clear with those people that you're looking to get an evaluation sooner as opposed to later. And if they say, well, I don't have an opening for six months, then say, can I be put on a list for cancellation? And hopefully they have one. Um, There are people who are diagnosing, and they're now doing it um, using things like Zoom, uh, things of that nature. And there is a way that that can be done professionally. So I don't want to poo-poo that at all. Just make sure if you're doing that that you get the amount of time that the individual needs to see to observe your child. Um, That's the only thing that I'm going to say about that. Really good professionals can do this and do this well. Don't wait. So three days of investigation, then you know you set yourself a deadline of, okay, I'm going to take one day and I'm going to find the person who's going to do an evaluation. And this can be just a speech evaluation, or if you feel like there are other things there that maybe you need to go whole hog and get the autism evaluation, then do that. Uh, but if you find that look, if you, if you find the place that you want to go to get the evaluation and they say it's six months, make that appointment. But then call every day and say, do you have a cancellation? Do you have a cancellation? Do you have a cancellation? My husband and I are doing this right now because he has to get this test and they're making him wait two months to get the test. And I said to him, we have to call every day and be nice as pie uh, and call them and say, hi, do you have any cancellations? And <laughs> I was with him the other day when he called and the woman said, no, we don't have any cancellations. And he said, okay, well, they told me to call back every day. Should I call back every day? And she went, Ugh. well, do what you want, right? And you could tell that she really doesn't want him calling every day. But I said to him, I said, please call every day and be super, super nice because I will tell you, we've all worked in an office, right? I will tell you what will happen is that at some point, somebody's going to cancel because that's life right? Somebody's going to get sick, somebody's going to have a thing to go to, somebody's going to cancel. And when the person is sitting there and they write down the cancellation, who's the person they're going to call first? The person who's called every single day. If for no other reason, well, two reasons. They know, hey, that person really wants the appointment and that's the only phone call I'll have to make. I won't have to make 35 phone calls to people saying, are you available on this day? I know this person will take it. And they'll crawl off my back ding 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 ding. And if you were nice the whole time, you get the appointment, right? So don't wait. Don't wait. Make it your project. Get the evaluations. Okay. So once we uh, once we feel that the child or the individual has a language delay. We don't even have to wait to get the medical thing ruled out. We don't even have to wait to get the evaluation. We can start by making it a language-rich environment in our homes today. So what does that mean? Uh, What that means is that we're gonna make everything having to do with language fun. And we're gonna start right now, right here today. And we're gonna make it that way every waking hour of the individual's life. So just think for a second about if you were gonna go and spend a year abroad and you were gonna live in Spain and you don't speak a word of Spanish today, but you're gonna leave in six weeks and you need to be able to communicate in Spain, in Spanish, in you know a few weeks. What would you do? Well. There are certain programs that they have now that work really well and get people ready to be able to go to other languages and speak fluently. And it's not a six-year college class that does that. There are these uh, programs that you can purchase, but they're immersive. They're, They're immersive and they're specific so that they don't start with a bunch of words that are of no use to you. They start with words and phrases that are... Uh, really useful, and they have teaching techniques that have been tried and true, And but it's immersive. And what they do is get you ready to be in the environment, then you go in the environment with a beginning of language, and you use that language immersively, and you become fluent. That's really, somebody can take college classes, high school classes and college classes in Spanish for 12 years and not truly become fluent, but somebody else can become fluent in 12 weeks because six weeks was getting them prepared using a program that's been tried and true, and they went and had immersive for six weeks, and now they're fluent and can speak quite well and understand and be understood in Spanish. So what does this teach us? This teaches that techniques are really, really important and that immersion is also really important, and that's what we wanna do with language for our children. There's two different types of language, right? there's expressive which is what comes out of you and receptive which is what you receive now when you do the evaluation at some point somebody should be telling you where the individual in question is on both of these levels and it's super important Because if I'm somebody whose receptive language is up here, but my expressive language is down here, then that means I'm understanding most of what's being said to me, but I can't communicate my needs. That's a very specific kind of learner. And it's a very specific kind of frustration. I can hear what you're saying. You're asking me to go pick up my toys. And I don't have the ability to say to you, my toenail hurts and I can't get up. And then you're going to get mad at me because I didn't act on it. I didn't get up and do the toys, but I know my toenail hurts and I can't tell you. So I appear to be somebody who's not listening, but I was listening, right? At a certain level of frustration. And at some point I'm going to act out on that frustration. Imagine the opposite. If I can speak. And I can have my needs met, but I'm not able to understand direction that you're giving me. And we know these kinds of kids too, right? That they're like talk, 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 talking, not always making sense, right? So that you can understand it, but they have the ability to express, but you say something to them and they act like you're speaking Greek because they're not able to translate what you're saying into a way that makes sense to them. Their receptive language is low. so. How we teach an individual is going to depend on where they are on those two scales. There are very specific ways that we teach someone who has good receptive languages, and there are very specific ways that we teach someone who has good expressive language, right? We we play to the strength and shore up the number that's, that's lower, correct? So, uh, and we do this every waking hour. It doesn't, before... We were, we were speaking in front of these people and we say that was immersion, right? But it wasn't getting the job done. So now we need to get it more specific, more specific to the learner and more specific about language. I remember uh, Dr. Evelyn Gould once on the show was talking about how if you go to Russia and uh, you're in the house, and they're speaking Russian. Well, that's immersion, right? And the the woman whose house you're staying in, she comes up and she says da 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 and you didn't understand a single word that she says. But now she points and she says da 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 da, right? And you're like, okay, but she's pointing at a bowl of soup. So somewhere in there, she must have been saying eat, have soup. So we go, okay, and eventually, by the end of the week, maybe you, after discriminating, okay, she said this, and every time she says da-da-da-da, that means eat, right? And so your brain picks out that one word, but how much faster would it have been if she only said one word to you? If she had said da-da-da, I don't know what the Russian word for eat is, right? Uh, But she said da-da-da, and she pointed to the, the soup, and so you were able to discriminate that one word and go, oh, that means eat, but does it or does it mean soup, right? So we wanna be as specific as possible with language when we're teaching someone who has not picked it up just you know, in the air. Um, so that's what we mean by making, it, we're gonna make it fun and we're gonna make it every waking hour. So, and we're going to play to strengths. If your child is older and can read, we're going to label everything in the house. And we're going to make it colorful. Uh, My dad had a stroke at one point and had speech aphasia. And so my mom went around and she made little signs for everything in the house. On the clock, it said clock. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And on the orange juice, you open up the refrigerator on the orange juice, and it was a post-it that said orange juice on it, right? Because that helped him to be able to find the word for it. He knew it was orange juice, but he couldn't access what the word was. It's all part and parcel of the same thing, right? She was helping him, making it a a rich language environment so that he could gain back some of his words. Um, okay. It's important to not get overwhelmed when you're making it a a language-rich environment, which is easy to do. It's easy to get overwhelmed. So how do you not get overwhelmed? And I think that one of the most important things on this list is to create a team. And I want to be mindful of the fact that some of you are sitting there and going, well, I'm, you know, I'm a single parent. I don't have anybody else. It's just me. But you're gonna to need to put that kind of thinking to the side and, and because it doesn't have to be a significant other, you still need to create a team. And this is where you have to sort of troubleshoot and go, okay, so who do I have in, uh, you know, and maybe you have people that you don't even know you have uh, because it might be that you're partnering with people at the school district level. It might be that you're partnering with an ABA team. It might be a speech and language pathologist that your insurance pays for. Um, so, it might be professionals, but I also want to encourage you to invite friends and family into your circle and say, you know, I, I, w- we feel that I feel that my child has a language delay and I could use some help. And then allow what is going to happen to happen. I think you'll be surprised that if you put it out there, sometimes there are people who are ready to step up in their lives and to be there for you. And it might not be who you thought it was going to be. I just remember always there was the one mom who said, you know, I put it out there and I think I think this mom had like four sisters and she kind of expected that her four sisters were going to rally around her and her kid and that it was going to be this amazing project as a family that They were going to help her child to to get functional communication. And yet her sisters, no fault to them, but they were busy. They had their own kids, and they were on the PTA, and they had jobs, and they just didn't have the time in their schedule. But what was fascinating was that her brother-in-law, who she barely knew, stepped up and said, I'd like to be helpful. What can I do? How can I be useful? And this is like, you know, about how much time I have. And ended up being somebody who, like, was so wholly on their team that it changed how that mom looked at her brother-in-law. So be willing to not know who your team is today, but that, like, when you put it out there and say, "I'm," uh, you know, "I need some help," people will rise to the occasion. I'm crying because I, I really am somebody who's private and likes to keep stuff private, and I. I tend to think that I have to be able to do everything, and I get myself caught in that a lot. But when I think about the people that we met on our journey, the people who ended up being on our team, these are people that I, I'm i not ever going to get over how helpful and useful they were to us. Uh, if you if you read the book that I wrote and the acknowledgments, and I, and I feel so bad because I've thought about you know uh, 50 more people that I could have added to that list, people who showed up for us, people that I didn't even know on day one that ended up being so vital and important to us that my life is richer for having known them. And if I had been of that mindset of, no, we're just going to do it ourselves, I would have missed out on knowing some really incredible people. So I really want to encourage yourself to open your heart to the fact that there are people who can and will help you on this journey. And start weaving together a team. Keep your expectations manageable and don't expect one person to be able to do the whole thing, but really think of it as weaving a quilt. Right? You're you're piecing the different pieces in and so so your brother-in-law can do pickup. Great don't expect him to be the person who makes lasagna on the weekends too but take what he's offering and say okay you're gonna do pickup then because I don't have to do pickup you're gonna do pickup uh, <clears throat> and 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 sort of manage it think of yourself as team captain and put together a dream team of people who care about you and your kid and trust me they're there. You, you may not know them yet, but they're there. Um now there's all different kinds of interventions that people can do. And I don't want to get like um <clears throat> too into any of these because we talk about these all the time on the show. I'm a huge fan of ABA for language delay. Now, before everybody gets all emotional and people go tell you know write in and tell me that you don't like ABA and a lot of people don't like ABA, I will I will tell you that um I respect your right to not like ABA, but I will also tell you that uh, ABA done well and compassionately is widely accepted as the most effective way to get language uh, to be something, a skill that somebody has and have it be their own. Um, Because it's a very good teaching technique, technique for teaching anything. Do people abuse it sometimes and in doing so abuse individuals? Yes, 100%. Make sure that you're getting good ABA, but don't say, well, we're not going to do ABA because we've heard that people get tortured. Please don't do that. Please do the research and get good ABA if that's what you're doing, which is what I encourage you to do. Uh, watching my son learn language through good ABA whoo, one of the most exciting things I've ever seen. I still keep saying, I want to do a TV show about it because it was so exciting and life changing. Um, but there are other things that can work Uh, 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 Not as well. I'm not going to say that because it's not true. ABA is found to be the thing that is most effective, most efficient at, at getting language skill to be a skill for a person. But in conjunction with that, speech from a speech and language pathologist, very useful. I have never seen someone who had a language delay get as far with just speech as I have seen somebody get with just ABA, but I will tell you that people who have speech and ABA together I think get further than people who just have ABA, if you're getting good ABA and if you're getting good speech and services. And I know that's a stretch sometime, but you know, I have to tell you what I think is most effective, right? But there's also an OT component to this, and people go, I don't understand that. When I first heard about OT, occupational therapy, I was like, he's three, Why do, he doesn't have a job. Why do we need occupational therapy? I still don't understand that. I think they should call it something else. But um, sometimes kids have a oral motor difficulty, and that's what the delay is. I'm pushing my desk away. Um, And the OT can be very effective working on that in conjunction with the speech and language pathologist, in conjunction with the ABA professionals. When they all work together, it's that much better. I also feel that diet is a very important part of this conversation because we started with, let's rule out other medical things. Um, And if your child is having difficulties processing certain foods, to the point where it's similar to an allergy sensitivity or an allergy, then it's going to slow their development for anything, language included. And so if the right diet is on board so that your child is healthier, I saw my child begin to speak after we removed wheat and dairy. And that's not the case for everyone. But I literally saw him about a and and for him, it was quick. that's not the case for everybody. sometimes it takes months. But for my son, five days after we took out wheat and I think because first we just took out wheat, and I don't really remember if it wasn't until we took out dairy, and it was the two together, but he started adding five words a day, which was great, considering that he had not he'd gotten to the point where he had no words. Um, and then um, if, if the child is of school age, we want to make sure that language is a rich environment in, uh that there's a rich language environment at school as well. Now, here in California, if your child is age three and your child has a language uh, delay, then they are school age. And school will offer you some services. I want to go on record as saying that Uh, There are all kinds of research that's been done about this that people go, oh, well, then I'll just do that. And school will say to you, and we're going to do ABA and we're going to do speech and we're going to do OT um, here. So, you know, you think to yourself, okay, well, then I'm just going to take my child to school. But that leaves out the intensive immersion part of it because if your child goes to school They're going to be bombarded with so many things because there's going to be at least 12 kids in their group. And even if they have a one-on-one person, it's too much. Uh, Unless your child is significantly older. If your child is under the age of five, I'm going to tell you that if you can do ABA at a center or at home, uh, it's a better better bang for your buck in those two years before they go to school. If your child is already school-aged, that may not be the case but for very young kids it's better for them to not get that environment until they have the language on board okay that's a lot that's a lot and and i feel like you know the the making it fun in every waking hour that just saying that if you aren't a teacher it doesn't really get the job done so what i'm talking about is that you're when when you watch somebody do it, you go, oh, that's the thing, right? So let's say you get up in the morning and the very first thing that your child does is uh, they come out of their bedroom and, and, or, or maybe they come into your bedroom and they wake you up. So one of the first things that we do is that we're gonna use language really specifically and you're gonna say things like, good morning. And you're articulating to make sure that they can hear uh, and, and that you're making sure that you use just those words and you because we have a tendency to go, good morning, sunshine. How are you? Did you sleep good? And go blah, 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 blah language. We're that Russian woman going dah, 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 instead of saying soup, right? Uh, so you say good morning and pause, right? And then maybe you give them a hug and you put a smile on your face because you're excited to see them and now they associate these words good morning is a way of greeting me and it's not that torrent torrent of language right so we're we're honing it down being specific but we don't get quiet right there's other people who are like well i don't want to overwhelm them so i'm not going to say nothing i'm not going to say anything that's not a a way to be either but then each thing that you do with the child so you know let's say that we, we you know you say to them breakfast do you want to have breakfast Uh, And maybe you open up the refrigerator and you pull out an egg and you go, egg, should we have eggs? And then pause, right? Um, And see if the child is reacting to you saying egg. And it may be that you don't get a reaction right then, in which case I would hand the child the egg and go, egg. And if I had to, you want to make it fun, sometimes I will crush an egg and be like, oh, egg, mess, right? And laugh. I'd be like, "Oh, let's clean it all up." Yeah, you wasted an egg, but now you've got their attention, and we're saying egg over and over and over again. And then we, you know, we do breakfast, and, you know, whatever, like pick the thing that you want to focus on, whether it's the spoon, the fork, the drink, but you're constantly languaging for them what they're doing. In short, specific ways that are sort of fragmented out. It's going to sound a little weird, but like the Russian woman, you know, saying soup, right? That's not how we're going to talk later on when you understand. And she's going to say das and soup, right? Um, But but we have to like be specific so we know what the things are. And every single waking moment is about that interaction. You're going to be exhausted. They're going to be exhausted. They're going to need breaks, and we take breaks, and we just go play. But whatever we're playing, we're languaging it too, and and we're making it fun, and we're languaging it and tickling them, or whatever the thing is, sensory input that they like. So you're waiting in line at the ATM, and you, you've got to find something language, right? Uh, what we used to do in the car was that we would be driving and instead, now you can give your kiddos an iPad and have them be working on a program that's language development. You can do that if you need to focus on something else. You need to go to the bathroom, you need to be on the phone, whatever, right? But just don't make that the only time, right? But we would be in the car and we would play a game about, you know, I would say light light and then i would say it's red it's red and you know and then I go it's green right and so we taught him red and green with stop lights so language rich environment all the time all the time that's why you need a team because you're going to need a break um okay uh hello this is sr my son has st and ot but we don't have funding for ABA. Could you please suggest any books or websites to understand ABA better so that I can help my son? Thank you very much." So this is a very big book um, about ABA, Evidence-Based Treatment for Children with Autism. Um, and this is written by Dr. Grant Shea, Dr. Nadowski, and Dr. Tarbox, along with uh, Julie Kornack. And This is intense. This, like, this is the book that's going to explain a lot of things to you. It's, I I know all of these people have been writing shorter books, too, to explain smaller things, but this would be the first book that I would say, and, you know, I mean, it's big and thick, and I I wouldn't try to read the whole thing in a weekend, you know what I'm saying? Um, But we also talk about ABA here, and I hope that you, like, pick something specific that you want to work on with your child. And, and maybe Google on our, 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 uh, us and other places to see like how would you work on that in an ABA way. The other thing that I want to encourage you is um, Autism Partnership um, Foundation. They have an RBT class, which is a registered behavior technician class online that they will give to you for free. It's a 40-hour online class where you can learn about ABA. Um, I'm holding it upside down. The name of the book is Evidence-Based Treatment for Children with Autism. Um, and it's, uh, it's a big book. It's, it's a big, big book. We try to talk about the things that are in this book in a parent-friendly <laughs> way. Not that I don't think that this is parent-friendly. I love all of the four people who wrote this. Uh, I think um, it's, it's a really good book It's just a lot i i get overwhelmed but i will tell you do that 40-hour class because you can take the modules over and over again um so again the the name of the book is evidence-based treatment for children with autism you could probably just go on amazon and put in doreen grampiche and it will come up or you could put in jonathan tarbox Um, which is probably easier to spell. And Jonathan has other books as well. Um, So that will help. But I really want to encourage you to take that RBT class. It's for free right now. I don't know how long it will be for free. Um, But the whole thing about ABA is that the whole principle, founding principle of ABA is that if it's not fun, if it's not personally rewarding to me, then I'm not going to do it, right? And that's just life. So ABA is not just used with people with autism. It's used in many different ways. Olympic athletes train with the principles of ABA. So they will do something difficult, but then they will reward themselves uh, for it. And that's really what ABA is supposed to be. I know a bunch of people work really hard to make it as boring and dull as possible. That's not good ABA, um, So be on the lookout for really good ABA. Your child should be having so much fun. They will get frustrated sometimes when they're used to doing something one way and and they're being asked to do it another way. Like if the way that I've communicated with you for... A year is that I throw myself on the floor and throw a tantrum and then I get what I want the first time that I throw a tantrum and I don't get what I want I'm gonna be frustrated because that works for me right so I'm not gonna tell you that your child's never gonna be frustrated but once your child realizes, oh you mean I don't have to throw myself on the floor I could just say cookie and you'll give me a cookie then then the frustration goes away right So be on the lookout for good ABA uh, to do things like that. But I I need to continue on here. Okay, whatever you choose to do, like go for it wholeheart and say, okay, we're going to do this. But then you have to be willing to every once in a while stop and go, wait a second, is that working? Because sometimes it won't. It doesn't matter, like even if you're working with an ABA team and they're the best ABA team, everybody learns differently. And ABA is a set of tools. It's, it's not like it's just, well, step one is this and step two is this. You're trying to teach somebody something. And if you this is what I don't understand about education now as a former teacher is that if I go into a classroom and I say, okay, what I want to teach them is this, then I teach my lesson, and then when it's over, I have to ask myself, okay, did it work? Did they learn that? And if they didn't, that's on me. Then i got to try and teach them another way, right? So it's the child or the individual is never wrong, and we're never wrong. It's just that there are different ways to teach this. When they taught my son how to count to 100, boy, they tried so many different things and everybody tried, and, and it wasn't working, it wasn't sticking, it was a problem, and finally, you know, there was a night in kindergarten where it was the night before the 100th day of kindergarten, and you had to know how to count to 100 on that day of kindergarten, or you were behind, and we'd already caught him up, and I did not want him to be behind again, and it was the night before, and Peter Farig, our autism whisperer, we were, you know, working with our team, and he was like, wait a second, He's got this and let me try this. And he tried a different way and my son got it. He got it right then. And he, you know, and he never lost that because he knows how to count to 100 and it was the most fascinating thing to watch this team of people go, okay, you didn't get it that time. What are we going to what if we tried this way? What if we tried that way? You have to be willing to look at it and go, is this working? Because if it's not, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's try something a little different. Not everything different, but something a little different. I always like to give the example that when a plane takes off from Los Angeles to go to New York and it's flying all the way across the country, do you know that more than 50% of the time it's off course? But still, miraculously, the plan lands in New York. Why? Because they make little course corrections. The whole way they make course corrections. We have to be willing to make course corrections. And when you're teaching somebody, anybody, anything, That has to be a part, evaluate the process. Is it working? People will come to me and they will say, I don't know what to do. Here's what we've been doing. And my first question is always, is it working? (laughs) Okay, if it's not working, then what are we gonna tweak? What are we gonna change? What part of it has been working? Where do we seem to be hung up, right? Get in that mindset and you're gonna find yourself uh, in a a much better way. Uh, And then is that the last slide? I guess that's the last slide. I meant to put in a slide. You can go ahead and take that out, Craven. Uh, I guess it got late last night. But I, I meant to put in the slide that prioritize functional communication. Because that's the beginning, the middle, and the end, right? I know emotionally what you all want is for your child to be able to speak and communicate, say what they're feeling, say what they're thinking, and understand what you're saying and what you're thinking and you're feeling. So let's all admit that. That's what we want. Okay, let's all cozy up to that, and let's say that you have a right to want that. And I'm going to tell you that in all likelihood, you can have that to some degree. It just may look different than you originally thought. So let's say that you have a three-year-old who's not speaking at all, totally nonverbal and it's eating away at your stomach lining, and you go and you get the best ABA in the world, and you've got speech therapy, and you've got OT, you've ruled out other medical things, you've, you're doing the diet, you're doing it all right, right? And you're, you're making it an educationally enriched, language-enriched environment, and the language isn't coming. About six months, maybe three months in, your team is going to come to you, and they're going to say, okay, we'd like to switch course, and we want to add assistive technology to your child's program. We want, we're, we're going to get an iPad or a Dynavox or whatever and we're going to start teaching or we're going to do PECs where they're going to, we're going to hand them a card and they're going to hand us a card and that's the way that they're going to communicate. And I can tell you that most parents die a little. Like, it's just like, oh no. We came here for help. We believed that this was going to help and you're giving up. And you're telling us to give up. That's not what they're telling you, but that's what it feels like. So can we acknowledge that for a minute? Let me tell you what the studies say. The studies say that if we give someone a way to communicate that's easier, they're more likely to learn harder ways to communicate. I told you at the beginning of the show that we flipped those numbers, that more individuals with autism are speaking than ever before because they were given functional communication when they weren't getting the language piece. So giving them an iPad and teaching them how to communicate cuts out a whole lot of the middleman, and they, what happens is they discover, oh, this is so much easier. If I push the button and I say, you know, want mom with the button, then I get mom? Okay. And that helps them to understand language in a way so that then when they're being taught, say, mom, that there's more in it for them because they understand what's going to happen as a result of it. So don't don't feel that you're not allowed to feel grief if you're having to do that extra step. You're allowed to feel whatever you want to feel. But don't push it away. Don't say, no, I don't want to do that because it will mean giving up. It doesn't it doesn't it means taking another path and a lot of people end up at the same place don't you give up right on your experts uh yes the book name evidence-based treatment for children with autism by Dr. Doreen Grambichet and Dr. Jonathan Tarbox and Dr. Adele Nadowski with Julie Kordak so there's that um So functional communication, if I don't have functional communication, I'm gonna be mad, because I don't have a way to get my needs met, and I'm gonna act out, and I'm gonna get frustrated, and it's just a matter of time before I strike out, and I try to hit you, or hit myself, or hit the wall, or whatever, because I'm frustrated because I can't get my needs met. That's what happens when people don't have functional communication. So regardless of everything else we want in the world, we have to prioritize functional communication. And we need to let go of some of the stigma that people act like spoken language is everything. It isn't. It's only about 18% of how we communicate. Really. And I know that's hard for me because I'm a very verbal person. I verbally vomit at you guys every day. (laughs) Right? Uh, And I mean that in the nicest way. But... There's so much more to communication than just what is spoken. We look at somebody's face. We look at their hands, right? We look at the way their body is, is facing. Uh, so go look at Carly Fleischman and look at Emily Grodin because both of those women communicate at a very high level and it is not vocal. Um, I know. I know. We all want the vocal piece too, but here's the other thing that I know a lot of people who will write in and say to me, Shannon, I did the speech, I even did the ABA, and my child can say you know a hundred words, but I want conversation, and I'm not getting conversation. To me, this is when uh, when you've done more speech than good ABA. If all you're getting are labels then you know find a new speech language pathologist and talk to your aba provider and maybe find a new aba provider because it's very aba should be very effective at creating conversation not just somebody listing labels I get so frustrated when, because you know what that means to me? It means your child's capable of speech, but somebody hasn't helped them to put the pieces together in the right way. And maybe we need to do another show about how do you build conversation skills. Uh, uh, May, uh, I, I believe that your child is gonna be able to have a conversation with you. I believe that with you so hang on to that okay I'm all emotional and stuffed up because this is emotional stuff you guys and I will say to you you're entitled to absolutely all of your feelings about all of this feel the grief if, if that's what you're feeling feel the frustration if that's what you're feeling but you know what the best thing is to get into action and, and action is available to you right now, right here today, that you can be learning ways to connect with your child today. Uh, and go and watch some of our toy videos because that's where I always found that, is through toys. That's why the toy guide is so important to me because that is for me is an entree it's fun and you can sit down with two cars or two blocks and you can communicate with a child any child Uh, and it doesn't have to be verbal it doesn't have to be vocal right but there is communication there and you can build the vocal by doing the toys i didn't put them in the in the toy guide this year but almost always i have a set of bubbles in the toy guide because bubbles are the be-all end-all for communication if you want to be working on language, get a, a thing, a dollar bubbles, and sit down and blow some bubbles with a child, and then go buh, ba buh, buh, bubble. And then only blow the bubbles after you've said ba 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 bubble. Do it a 100 times, and you will, if the child loves bubbles, and most children do, eventually you will see their mouth start to go, right? Then try to get them to say buh. Like, so you pause. You go buh, buh. And if you've done it a 100 times, your child will go and get them to go buh if they can. And then blow a b- bunch of bubbles because they spoke. Make it super fun. So then they will learn. If I go ba buh, m- mom or dad blows the bubbles. And that becomes a basis for which you scaffold everything up from there. Uh, what would be a good AAC device to start with communication? I, you know, people have different thoughts and feelings about this, May, um, I think that iPads are cheaper and more socially... Uh, nobody's going to think anything if your child is walking around with an iPad. Uh, Dynavax has made some of their stuff uh, more streamlined and easier to do, but it's still... Hard because other if other people not that you're ever going to give your iPad to somebody else to communicate, but uh, we all understand the functionality of an iPad a little bit better. Then it becomes about what what do, what program do you put on the iPad? Um, and I think there's one. I think think that there's the one uh, touch to talk which is a little bit less expensive that uh, everybody tells me is so good but also there's proloquo which is very popular very expensive I think it's called proloquo to go Uh, but I would encourage you to be working with someone on that I just would not there's there's something that schools use that's called like lamp something I wouldn't do that I would tell them no because it's only used at schools and nobody else is gonna know how to do it. Uh, But I would encourage you to be working with someone to be able uh, to get started, have it be somebody other than you who's teaching your child how to use the iPad. And then they teach you how to teach your child. That's gonna be the most successful way to do that, okay? We're so out of time, you guys, but I'm just sending you all hugs. It's all gonna be okay. You're starting here, and you got a road to go on. But I'm telling you, the road is filled with many, many, many fascinating, fascinating things and gifts and people. And this was the thing that was always the hardest for me: is that I just I would sit there and I would wring my hands and go. But all these other kids just learned this. Why are we having to spend all this time to learn this? And then one day it came to me that it's a miracle. When at any time that a child learns language and is able to speak, it's a miracle. I'm talking any kid anywhere, when they look up and go, Mama, that's a miracle, an absolute miracle. And people walk by that miracle every day of the week and, you know, twice on Sunday. And that I didn't get the luxury of walking by the miracle. I had to live a life that every day I fought for the miracle so I noticed it when it showed up. And we celebrated the hey, nani, nani out of it when it would show up, even in the smallest way. The first time that he said, buh, man, we celebrated that for a week. And that is not the worst thing in the world. To be forced to see the miracle of language growing in, in your child, it's a lot. But once you get there, it feels like a privilege that I got to watch that happen with my child and other people just take that for granted. I will never take language developing in any child for granted ever. I, It's like the most beautiful thing in the world. Uh, so, si se puede, right? We get there together. All right uh i hope that this in some way was helpful to any of you and uh we're going to be back tomorrow with dr Grand shay in fact i feel like i that she's going to be live in the house with us and that will be wonderful i've missed her too uh so you'll want to tune in then on a wednesday we've got great guests Don't forget, if you want those, uh, there are 25 tickets to this Sunday's It's a Wonderful Life. If you want those, write to Milo, M-I-L-O, at T-E-A-F-C dot com, and do that right now because uh, there's only 25 tickets, all right? We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.